What do you do after an introduction like that, eh? Jeez. Uh, well, it's good to be your kid's hero. And uh, I'm very grateful for Bethany and all our daughters. And grateful for you. Good to be with you this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn, please, to Jeremiah chapter 33. Jeremiah 33. Uh, before I begin, uh, Mary Dirksen, our beloved Mary Dirksen, is back here. And Mary has written this beautiful little book that actually is all about what we're going to talk today. And uh, it's a great gift for Christmas, great for your kids. Uh, I loved reading it, and I will love reading it when our grandson gets old enough to understand. So she's back there selling her books. She'll even sign it for you. And we also have our uh, Answers to Prayer cards. Uh, they're back at the uh, Welcome Center, where all our resources are now. And we're just encouraging you. And again, I'll probably mention this at the end of the message because uh, our message today is all about God answering prayer. Several years ago, Mary and I were given a romantic getaway to Hecla Island Resort, which turned into a romantic nightmare. Hecla Island is about three hours uh, south, beautiful resort right on Lake Winnipeg. And Mary and I left late in the afternoon, and we arrived there. Well, no, sorry. We arrived in the mid-afternoon, had lunch, and late afternoon, we decided to go for a walk in the woods. It was November, it was cold, and there was snow on the ground. When we got to the end of our destination, I had a bright idea. I said, hey, why don't we go back by a different trail? My wife wisely counseled against it. She said, I don't think that's a good idea at all. I don't want to go back. We had an argument, and I won. I persuaded her, unfortunately, to take this other trail. And we got hopelessly lost in November as the day was dimming in snow and it was cold. And in my frantic... Uh, state to try and find our way back, I had another bright idea. I said, why don't we separate for a few minutes, and I'll go this way and you go that way, and I put a big stake in the ground, because that would tell us where we would rendezvous, and so we went off in different directions. And I was sure right over that bluff was going to be Lake Winnipeg, and i get my orientation. I raced over to this bluff, looked over, and it was just forest. And I panicked. I thought, I have no idea where we are. And I looked back to find the rendezvous, and it was so dark by then, I couldn't see the stick. And I panicked twice. And I began to call out as loud as I could, Mary! Mary! The wind is blowing. Mary! I called and called and called and no answer. And then I panicked the third time. I thought, oh my goodness, what if a bear has gotten her? Now I've lost my wife. The truth was, Mary could hear me the whole time. She was so ticked off. She just didn't want to answer me. <laughs> Eventually, we found each other, and by the mercy of Jesus who answers prayer, we were rescued well after dark and 10 kilometers away from the hotel. But I'll never forget 
that hopeless feeling of calling out, calling out, calling out, and no answer. Maybe that's how you feel when you pray. You call, 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 but there doesn't seem to be any answer. Well, the truth is there is an answer. In fact, the Bible says that calling on the Lord, calling on the name of Jesus is incredibly powerful. A number of years ago, Mary and I traveled out to Milestone, Saskatchewan to visit a church there. It was November again, and uh, uh, but it was a beautiful day when we left. But while we were there on the Saturday night, it snowed, a big snowfall. And when we left Sunday afternoon, the pastor there, Chirian Punus, who's an, an East Indian pastor, he said, look, the stretch of highway from Milestone to Regina is infamously treacherous. Be careful. Well, it was infamously treacherous. It was like a sheet of ice and the wind blew in weird ways across that stretch of the highway. Traffic was going like 40 kilometers an hour as we were edging along the highway and it was nerve wracking. But as we were driving along for no reason, absolutely no reason, our car began to drift out of our lane and into the left lane, right into oncoming traffic. I was totally helpless. No steering, no brakes, nothing. We were just drifting. And I, I, I had this instant thought, as you do in those kind of situations, this is it. We're going to have a head-on collision. We're going to die in Saskatchewan in the middle of nowhere. Mary started to call on the name of Jesus. She went, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus. And suddenly, our car began to drift back across the line. And just as we got over the line, the oncoming traffic skid by. We were so traumatized, we pulled over, put it in park, and we just sat there giving thanks to Jesus. And I know It was her calling on the name of Jesus. And I'm sure angels were released. I'm sure it was angels for no reason because it was against the wind. Pushed our car back across that line. Calling on the name of the Lord is incredibly powerful. Now, Gateway's in the midst of a series on prayer right now called If My People Pray. And today we're going to look at a tremendous promise about prayer. Understanding this promise and putting it into practice will literally change your life. So let's read Jeremiah chapter 33, just three verses, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was shut up in the court of the guard. Thus says the Lord who made the earth, the Lord who formed it to establish it, the Lord is his name, call to me. And I will answer you and show you great and hidden things you have not known. Father, we thank you for the power of your living word. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who takes the word of God and brings understanding, opens our eyes, impacts our hearts, 
And we welcome you today, Holy Spirit. We welcome all the angels that work with you. And we pray that today you will baptize this house in a profound and powerful, fresh spirit of prayer. Grip us with the truth of this verse, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. The context for this passage, it's the 6th century, I think it's actually about 587 B.C. And Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and the Babylonian army, or the Chaldeans, as they're sometimes referred to in the scriptures, have put siege on Jerusalem. King Zedekiah is the last king before the exile. And he's rebelled against Babylon, and Babylon has sent the army, and they're sieging the city, there's famine, there's trouble. It's a horrible, horrible time. In fact, it's so bad. The people are sacrificing their children to the demon Moloch. And it was actually God's judgment on his people. For years, decades and decades and decades, he had warned, pleaded, appealed, sent the prophet, and the people just kept resisting, 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 resisting. And finally, God said, I've had enough. And he brought swift judgment. Now, as we'll read in, in Jeremiah 32, even in God's judgment, he's got incredible hope and mercy and redemption. But these people had experienced judgment. And King Zedekiah had put Jeremiah in prison because Jeremiah was the only one prophesying, no, this is God, the Chaldeans are supposed to take over, and we need to surrender to them because then God will spare our lives. But King Zedekiah didn't listen to him, and he put him in prison. And that's where our verse begins. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time while he was in the guardhouse. And the Lord said, Call to me, and I will answer you. What an incredible promise. He said, and I will show you great, wonderful, powerful, hidden, inaccessible, incredible things, things that are beyond the grasp of human knowledge. I will do them. The first thing we see from verse 3 is God's unlimited visitation. By the way, you have a, an outline in your bulletin with a few blanks that will come up on the, on the uh, screen there. First of all, we see God's unlimited invitation. Notice it's God's invitation. Prayer is God's invitation. Prayer came from heaven. It didn't come from earth. Prayer is not us invoking God's help. It's God inviting us into his help. And notice God's invitation is exhaustive. It can include everything and anything. God just says, call. And I will answer. And it's invitation for both personal and corporate. It's you can call and I will answer. And it's also we can call and God will answer. Do you need groceries? A vehicle? Maybe you're lonely. You just need a friend. Call to me, God says, and I will answer you. 
Do you need healing for your body or your soul or wisdom for a difficult child or finding a parking space or a lost toy or a lost ring? Call to me and I will answer you. Rebecca, our eldest daughter, when she was about four years old, she lost her most precious little dolly. We couldn't find it anywhere. We searched the house, the room, everywhere. It was nowhere to be found. And finally, Mary called out to the Lord. She said, Lord, would you show us where that dolly is? Instantly. She had a picture of our kitchen garbage can, and at the bottom was the dolly. She raced over the garbage can. We took out the garbage, and there was the dolly right at the bottom. Rebecca had, you know, probably dropped it in there for some reason, forgot about it, and it would have got chucked out in the bin, but we called, and he answered. Last summer, we had my, uh, we had a reunion, family reunion in Kelowna, and it was to celebrate my mom's 91st birthday. And somewhere over the weekend, she lost her precious diamond ring. We searched everywhere for it. The bedroom we tore upside down, the bedding, the garbage cans, all the registers. We looked through all the upholstery where she'd sat and, and every place that was nowhere to be found. So she went back to Vancouver and she happened to take Bethany with her. Bethany was going to stay overnight with her. And during that evening, they got talking about this lost diamond ring and how precious it was to my mom. And Bethany said, Grandma, I lost my phone. In my room, I, I, I just couldn't find it. I turned my bed upside down. I looked everywhere in my room, my closet, everywhere, and I couldn't find it anywhere. So my dad and I prayed. She said, a few minutes later, when I came out of the washroom, in the dark, and I went to get on my bed, I put my hand down right on top of my phone. So I think we should pray for your ring and ask Jesus to show us where it is. So she said, okay, so, so call to me and I will answer. So they prayed. The next morning, my mother's first waking thought was the diamond ring was in her pants pocket. She got out of bed. She went into the closet. She found the trousers that she'd been wearing. She put her hand in and there was her precious diamond ring. And I know it was the Holy Spirit who spoke to her. Call to me, and I will answer you. Do we need the salvation of a loved one or a neighbor? Do we need the selling of church property or the meeting of a church budget? Call to me, he said. I will answer you. Do we need the weather changed? Do we need the economy blessed? Do we need the culture transformed? Our nation awakened. Call to me and I will answer you. March 22nd, Thursday night, we had a prayer summit. The most important meeting of the month because we get to call together. And Manitoba had had very little snow that winter. We were actually in a bit of a crisis. The farmers were very, very concerned because there was going to be a drought if there wasn't any moisture. So we gathered. There was about 60 or 70 of us. We gathered together and we prayed very specifically for the weather. 
We prayed that there would be over six inches of snow and that it wouldn't come on a Saturday night. Because it usually snows on a Saturday night and keeps people away from church. So we said, no, not on a Saturday night, Lord, but would you give us over six inches of snow? That was March 22nd, Thursday. Sunday, March 25th, it started to snow. It snowed until Monday, March 26th, eight and a half inches of snow, over 22 centimeters, and it wasn't on a Saturday night. When we call, he will answer. God has given us an unlimited invitation. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too large. Well, who is this God who gives us such an unlimited invitation? He says, call to me. Who's the me we're talking about? Well... Verse 2 tells us the first thing is he's the creator God. Thus says the Lord, and that word Lord is the capitalized Lord in our English translations, and whenever all those letters are capitalized, it always means God's proper name, Yahweh or Jehovah. And it means I am. This is the one Moses met at the burning bush and argued with him. Moses had five arguments why he shouldn't be called to go and set the children of Israel free. And one of them was, well, who who will I say sent me? Who will I tell him? What's your name? He said, tell them, Yahweh has sent you. I am that I am. Meaning, I am pre-existent. I always was, I always is, and I always will be. And I'm the self-sufficient one. I'm the all-sufficient one. This is the one who creates from nothing. Billions of galaxies, hundreds of billions of them, with trillions and trillions of stars. And Psalm 147 says he counts every star and calls them all by name. And he knows the number of hairs on your head. This is the God who speaks galaxies into being. He creates storms. He calms storms. He causes time to go backwards, forwards, and to stand totally still. He can bring water out of a rock or wine out of water. He multiplies food. He makes fish go into net and he brings coins out of fish's mouths. He opens blind eyes. He unstops deaf ears. He raises dead people. And he makes new creations out of old sinners. He is the creator God. And this God says, call to me. And I will answer you. But Jeremiah tells us he's also the impossible God. In verse 30, chapter 32, verse 17, Jeremiah is speaking about God and he says, Ah, Lord God. And there he's saying, Ah, Adonai Yahweh. And that word Adonai is the highest title for God in the Old Testament. 
It means the absolute supreme sovereign ruler of everything. He says, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And then God says in verse 27, God himself says, Behold, I am Yahweh Elohim. I'm the supreme, mighty, powerful ruler with all strength and might. Nothing is too hard for me. How many of you remember that old chorus we used to sing? Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. There's a few of Nothing is too difficult for thee. This is the impossible God. And you know what? He delights to do the impossible. Call to me, and I will answer you. Well, he's also the good God. Chapter 32, verse 40 and 41 tells us that this is a covenant-keeping God who is committed to doing us good. I think this is one of the most wonderful descriptions and promises of God in the Old Testament. Verse 40 and 41 of Jeremiah 32. He says this, I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Now, he's talking about the people who are under siege, where there's famine and death and they're sacrificing their kids, and they're eating, they're cannibalizing. They're just absolutely desperate and broken, and they're about to be captive. And he gives them this incredible hope. He says, I have made an everlasting covenant with my people that I will not turn away from doing good to them. Now, if you do good to somebody, there's nothing better you can do. If I do you good, that's the best thing I can do for you. But so many of us do not believe God is good. To really trust the Lord, you have to believe he's sovereign. He's in control of things. And that he is loving and that he is good. Because if he's sovereign and loving, but he isn't good, it's hard to trust him because he could harm us. But when he's good and when he's committed to doing us good, he's absolutely trustworthy. And that's his first promise, he said. And because it's an everlasting covenant, it applies to us. We get in on this promise. He won't turn away but from doing good, but he doesn't stop there. In verse 41, he says, Man, I'm not just going to do them good. I actually delight in doing them good. I rejoice in doing them good. I get pleasure out of doing them good. Two exclamation marks, but he doesn't stop there. He puts a third exclamation mark on it. He said, I, I'm going to do them good. In fact, I'm going to delight in doing them good. In fact, I'm going to delight in doing them good with all my heart and all my soul. Call to me the God of goodness, and I will answer you. And God's promise is to answer. And notice it doesn't say, if certain people call, if Jeremiah calls, 
if maybe Pastor Peter calls, Pastor Ken calls, somehow they have a, you know, a special connection with God. Maybe if Reinhard Bonnke calls or Joyce Myers calls, yeah, I can, I can understand that. No, he doesn't say that. He says, look, this is for you. You call and I will answer. Then it's not just an Old Testament practice. In Romans 10 verse 12, the scripture says, The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. In Matthew 7, Luke 11, Jesus says, Ask and keep on asking, or call and keep on calling, and I will answer you. And then in verse 8, he says, For everyone who asks or calls and keeps on asking or calling, We'll receive the answer. This is for all. It's for everyone. So why does God answer? Why is he so committed to answering when we call? We don't deserve it. We don't call perfectly. There's a, he must have enough reasons not to, but he doesn't. He just says, call and I'll answer. And the reason is because when we call and he answers, it glorifies him. Psalm 55 verse 16 says, and it's God speaking, he says, Call to me in the day of trouble and I will rescue you and you will glorify me. Prayer is not self-centered. Prayer is God-centered. Prayer shines the focus back onto God. Call to me in the day of trouble. We need help. We call. He said, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. We get the help we need. We get delivered, and he gets the glory. God promises to answer but you have to call. You have to call. If no calling, all the bets are off. It doesn't work. You have to call. And this word call means to cry out, to, to utter a loud sound. It literally is the idea of accosting someone. Marv! That's what it means to call. We're getting God's attention. And he responds. Lift your voice and lift your heart to God. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, In the days of Jesus' flesh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears. In Acts 4 verse 24, the apostles had been persecuted and the whole, the disciples gathered together when they came back with their report and it says they lifted their voices together to God. That means they raised their voices together. Oh, there's something powerful when we call on his name and there's something powerful when we together call on his name. There's something that happens with the power of agreement. This spring and summer, we've had an incredible battle with the sale and zoning of this North Seven Acres. In June of this year, the city council was supposed to approve the zoning 
which the zoning is perfectly legal. It's written in their tables. There was absolutely no question and no reason to question it. And the guys who, the, the people who are buying it flew out to get it approved and whatever. And in that June meeting, city council denied the approval of that zoning. They questioned it. They said, no, no, there's no precedent for this. And we need a lawyer. We need a legal opinion. That meant the whole proceedings were postponed a whole month. So in July, on July the 10th, another council meeting was planned, and we said, we need to fast and pray. So we had a group of people in our prayer furnace there, and we were fasting and praying, and we had the council meeting on live stream. So we could look exactly at what was happening in real time at the, in the council meeting, and we could pray. And we realized through that, uh, seeing what was happening in the council meeting, that they hadn't got a legal opinion. It was going to be postponed for another month. And so we said, Lord, what are we going to do? And as we were calling out to the Lord, God directed us to pray that any kind of darkness would be exposed and revealed. And that's what we did. We started praying out, Lord, would you expose any kind of darkness? At the end of that council meeting, one of those counselors was arrested for sexual assault. We had no idea. We went, oh, Lord, call to me, and I will answer. But it was postponed now. They never meet in August. August is a holiday month. City Council never meets. It was going to happen in September. And we thought it's not going to happen in September. It's going to be put to October. It's going to be put to November. This could go on and on and on. And if they make us rezone things, we might not be able to sell that land until 2019, maybe even June of 2019. And that's going to put the school, the build, everything is going to be put off. This is not right. So we called out to him. And we felt the Lord say, get a hold of one of those other counselors. We got a hold of a wonderful counselor who was part of that group, super guy. And, and, and we met with him personally just a few days after that, that July council meeting. We said, look, this is a hardship. We don't understand what's going on. It's all legal. It's right there. What's happening? If this keeps getting put off and put off and put off, it's really going to affect our school. We could lose a whole year. He said, okay, let me see what I'll do. We called on the Lord. And they had a special council meeting in August when they never have council meetings. And on August the 16th, all the counselors that had previously denied it got together and they unanimously approved our zoning. It was a miracle. And it happened in August. And we received the money for that land last week, the week before the end of November. When we call, he will answer. Calling on the Lord is the earliest reference to prayer in the Bible. It's in Genesis chapter 4. Can you believe that? Genesis 3, Adam and Eve had perfect communion with God. 
And then they rebelled against God. They broke that perfect communion. They fell into this condition called sin. They were separated from God. They had a fallen nature now. They fell out with one another. They fell out even with themselves as well as God. Everything was broken. Their son, their, one of their sons rose up and killed his brother out of jealousy. It was a mess. And in the midst of that, we have this incredible verse in Genesis 4, verse 26. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. What the heck's going on? In the midst of all this brokenness and fallenness and sin and separation, murder, why do people suddenly start calling on the name of the Lord? I think it's because the Creator has hardwired our DNA for communion with Him. For dependence on Him. Somehow He's put in our genes that we belong to Him. We're made in His image. We're made to have relationship and fellowship and intimacy with Him, but it's broken. And the way it's restored is calling on His name. That's how we connect with Him. That's how we commune with Him. Prayer is communion with Jesus. You and I were made to call on the Lord. Anywhere, anytime, any situation. And every time we call out, we're saying, Oh God, I need you. Every hour I need you. That's the first condition we have to call. The second condition is we have to call in accordance with God's will. 1 John 5 verse 14 and 15 says this, This is the confidence we have towards God, that if we ask anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the requests we've asked for. Jesus said in John 14, 14, If you ask anything in my name which is equal to, if you ask anything according to my will, I'll give it to you. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's why we really encourage a devotional life in the Word of God and studying the Word of God so that we can understand what God's will is. That's why we encourage the Hearing God course so that people can begin to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit so we understand the will of God. 
Let me end by giving us a few thoughts on why don't we call out more? If we have this incredible promise, if you call, I will answer. Why don't we call out more? I think one of the reasons is we forget. We need to be reminded. Calling out prayer is a command. Psalm 105 verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer, with supplication, make your requests known to God. We have two options in life. Either we can worry about things, or we can pray. And when we pray, it deals with the worry. So every time you worry, every time you're anxious about something, it's a little alarm going off saying, hey, pray, call to me. Call to me, and I will answer you. Some uh, of our folks have handed in these, these precious answers to prayer. We have some great answers to prayer. One of them is our special needs nephew was initially rejected for adult funding now that he's turned 18. We prayed and prayed and wrote some letters and and, uh, got some support people involved. And today, the Community Living Disability People, the adult funding organization, has totally approved full funding for our, our nephew. When we call, he will answer. Another one wrote, God healed my mom of her thyroid disease and God gave me a job after months and months of searching. When we call, he will answer. And then this one is, in 2017, my mother passed away. Following her death, my family went into a legal battle regarding her last will and testament. One of my brothers contested her will and believed we had coerced her into writing it the way it was. He was angry and fought hard against the whole family. My younger brother stated he wanted nothing to do with our family, and he left. He had no contact with any family members or any family events. So they prayed. This couple in our church prayed together. They called on the Lord. We earnestly prayed for my two brothers that God's love would change their hearts. Now, after a very difficult year, my older brother has agreed to come to our family Christmas celebration this Christmas, and the younger brother has reached out to one of the family members and started to communicate again. When you call, he will answer. I'll bet there are hundreds of testimonies of answered prayer sitting in this room right now. Why don't you say, Lord, which one would you like me to share? Well, the second reason maybe we don't call out more is uh, because we've forgotten. We need to be reminded that prayer is our first priority. First Timothy 2 says, first of all then... I urge you to make prayers on behalf of all peoples. And Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray without ceasing. Prayer is our first priority because Jesus has only ever wanted the church to be first a house of prayer. Twice Jesus cleansed the temple. Once at the beginning of his ministry and once at the end. And the reason he did it, 
He went through the temple, turned over tables, drove out the money changers because he said, my father's house shall become a house of prayer, calling on my name. It's not first a house of preaching or a house of singing or a house of fellowship. It's first of all a house of prayer. And sometimes we forget that community, that, uh, that, that commitment. Jesus said in Luke 18 that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And sometimes I forget this. I just get busy and I forget to pray. I, I, I go to solving things myself. Two weeks ago, we had Mary's big third and bird uh, market at the basement of the bay. And uh, thousands and thousands of people. And so Saturday night, there were thousands of people there. They had filled the Bay Parkade with their cars. And about uh, quarter to nine, it was over. And so we had to drag all our coolers up. And I waited on Memorial Drive outside of the Bay entrance there with all our coolers while Mary just went next door to get our car in the third level at the Bay Parkade. The only problem is... The lady who was doing all the transactions was doing every one of them manually. She had to take the money manually, figure it out manually, give the change manually. She even had to get out of her booth and lift up the little stick manually, then get back into her booth and do it all over again. So after 40 minutes of waiting, Mary calls me and says, Ron, this lineup is inching along. It's not going anywhere. I'm going to be here for probably an hour or two. It's ridiculous. And no one will even let me out of my space. The cars just keep moving around, and I have my blinker on. Nobody will let me even get out of my parking space. So I don't know how long I'm going to be here. So we hung up. I thought, oh, brother, what a piece of work. So I'm complaining about it. And then I think, hey, call to me. I'll answer you. So I said, okay, Lord. Lord, would you move on some kind soul to stop and let Mary get out of that space and get into the, the, the uh, inching along line? And I looked at my watch because I wanted to see how long it would take for God to answer that prayer. It was 9.21. Within a minute, Mary called. She said, Ron, some guy just let me in. Right out of the blue. I've sat here for 40 minutes. She said, suddenly this guy let me in. So I'm in the line. I should be about half an hour. And I thought, what a coincidence. And do you know the strange thing? The more you call on the name of the Lord, the more coincidences happen. Because he promised. Call to me and I will answer you. The third reason why we don't call out more, maybe we forget. We need to be reminded that prayer restores God's presence. This is beautiful. Calling out is God's wisdom for cultivating dependence and intimacy for the one who calls out. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him. And do you know the greatest answer to prayer? It's God himself. We get God. 
we get Jesus. We get his presence in our lives. And when we have Jesus, we have everything. We have access to everything because in him is every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. F.B. Meyer said the greatest tragedy of life is not an answered prayer. It's an offered prayer. And lastly, why don't we call out more? Because I think we forget the one channel for all of God's blessings is prayer. God blesses his people through their calling and their asking. Our Heavenly Father says, I have everything you need. And yet you live in scarcity because you don't ask. James 4 says, you have not because you ask not. Ask and you will receive. This God we've been talking about that nothing is too difficult for, that's so good and committed to goodness, and the creator God who can call things out of nothing, this God sets a table for us, overflowing with life and kingdom blessings. And prayer is simply pulling up to the table and tasting and seeing that God is good. I know our time's gone. If you have to go, I want to release you, but I have two things to do before we end. I want to show you a video. Jim Simbola talking about calling on the name of the Lord. And then I want to give you an invitation. It's a, it's a unique invitation, so I don't want anybody to feel guilty about it. If you don't feel the Lord prompting you in this, don't feel guilty at all. The last thing we need is for people to come under the pressure of, I have to pray, I should pray. No, that never motivates us. It's only the Holy Spirit who does. So please feel free not to respond. But if you are being pulled by the Holy Spirit this morning, if you're an intercessor or you have a burden to pray or you have a desire to learn how to grow in prayer, I'm going to invite you after the video to come forward. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. I'm believing the Lord is going to release a grace for this new season we're in. I encourage you to get one of those answers to prayer cards. They're at the back at the center and, and fill it out. I'm going to encourage you to write in your diary a little section that's answered prayer so that you can see how often God answers your prayers. So let's watch this video for a few minutes and then we'll have an invitation. As I was talking to you, about eight or nine years ago, my daughter who is here today, she got away from us. She got away from not only us, she got away from God. She got away from our house. And my wife and I went through a two and a half year long nightmare that I don't want to go into. But I promised God as I was getting at the end of it, that it, as he brought me through it, that wherever I got a chance, I promised God, no matter how hard it would be, as he's my witness today, no matter how hard it would be, I would tell people what God does in answer to prayer. 
You know what the feeling is not to know where your daughter is when that she grew up as a model child. I have two other children. Chrissy's now 25. I have a daughter 21 and a boy 18. But at that time, Chrissy was about 17, 18. And it, it was, I'm talking nightmare. I'm talking about getting in my car and leaving my house to go to the church in the inner city where, where I'm going to face, you know, 10 new people who visit who are HIV positive uh, and a battered woman and no need family units and everything discombobulated and I don't want to be the focus I'm supposed to be there Carol and I to minister to them but I'm crying from the minute I leave my door to the church and saying God my heart is broken my nerves are shot I've screamed begged pleaded try to use money reasoned cried and she's getting worse she's not getting better and how am I going to minister? And we're starting other churches and renting Radio City Music Hall and starting new churches in, in the city and, and going to South America and Carol's writing songs and making albums. But nobody knows, or very few people know, that we're, we're hanging by a thread, my friend, by a thread. And all the times I drove and cried out to God coming in and saying, God, please just get me through these three meetings. We have 11, 3.30 and 7.30 services, each about two hours long or more. And I'm just saying, God, please just get me through another Sunday. And God would just lift me and I would have the grace to get through and minister to people, even though inside I was so, so sh just shaky. And I learned that when you pray, God comes. I learned that when you have no logical way to stand, God somehow, when you pray, gives you fresh feet and a fresh foundation. We have a prayer band in our church. It's a more important ministry than the 240 voice Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. There's a prayer band that not only prays through each service, about 20 of them pray through each service on Sunday while I'm preaching and ministering there in a room locked away praying, but now they pray for certain several years now from 2 in the afternoon till 6 in the morning. There's in the church, there's people praying every seven days a week, two in the afternoon till six in the morning. If any of you have some need, you can just mail it to our church. Someone will pray for it three in the morning. It's an amazing thing how God honors that. Well, they began to pray for me. And as God is my witness, I would sense myself at night sometimes or shaving in the morning. I would feel God's grace just come underneath me and, 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 and begin to steady me and hold my emotions. And I hadn't even been thinking about God. And I would say, Lord, what is this that's just come into my life? Somebody's praying for you. Somebody's praying for you. These people would be praying for me. God bless them. Then my wife got ill, had to have a hysterectomy and the hormonal imbalance that she ended up with. My daughter's out of the house, the other two children, I'm doing the best I can. And now my wife is not talking just about leaving New York, which she wanted to, because the enemy had told her, fine, start your churches and influence people for Christ, but I'm going to have all your children. I've got one and I'm coming for the other two. And my wife believed it and told me, you can leave with me or you can stay, but I'm leaving. Because he already has Chrissy, and I'm not losing my other two kids enough with this. We can't do this. It, the, the atmosphere in the city, New York is a miserable place to be. I'm not there because I like it. I'm there because God put me there. And, and, and then after the operation, she's talking about she doesn't feel any reason to live any longer. And, and I mean, what do you do? Your wife is flipping out. 
Your daughters, you're preaching, you're doing all of these things. I'm just telling you, oh, how wonderful it is to know that at the throne of grace, no matter what's happening, God can lift you and hold you. What a wonderful God. One November, after about two years had passed, Chrissy was away. God and I got totally alone in Florida. And God spoke to me and said, I know you've been praying for Chrissy. The impressions I got were basically this. I don't want to sound mystical or sensational. I'm just going to tell you from my heart. No more talking to Chrissy and no more talking to anyone else and no more money and no more screaming and no more crying. Drop it. Just tell me. Let's make a covenant. You just tell me and I'll take care of it. And I told my wife, I'm not going to see my daughter until she's right. And that's my first child. My wife kept in touch with her. Months went by. Christmas. Sad Christmas. Who wants presents when your daughter's away? On a February night in the prayer meeting, my house shall be called the house of prayer. We were all praying and calling on God and waiting on God. You know, nobody in charge, no choir, no speaker. Who needs it? You have Jesus. It's amazing how wonderful he is. And someone sent a note up to me, a woman, a young lady who hears, hears, who's sensitive to the Lord. And she sent a note up through an usher and the note said, I feel deeply impressed that we should stop the prayer meeting and pray for your daughter. I looked at the note. People were praying all around me. I looked at the note and said, God, is this really you? I don't want to be the center of attraction. People have their own needs. But I felt impressed it was. I stopped the prayer meeting after a little while. And everybody gathered together in that room, in that church, and held hands. Uh, over a thousand people probably that night. And, and I called one of my associate pastors in the front. And he began to pray. And all I can tell you, and I don't know what your theology is, and it really doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you what happened. You know where Paul Savet... Paul said, I travail like a mother giving birth to Christ be formed on you. Well, I told the people, my daughter thinks up is down and down is up. And she thinks light is dark and dark is light. And unless God visits her and intervenes, my daughter is out there. And, and, and I'm gonna, someone wants me to stop the meeting so you could pray. My associate is going to come. He's going to pray. And suddenly it turned into a labor room. You ever hear women when they're giving labor? Having labor? It's not pleasant, but... It, has some great results. And they began to pray. I was overwhelmed by it. I was, as God is my witness, I was overwhelmed by it. I mean, they began to pray as if they went to the throne of grace like, and now Satan, you will give up that girl. Jay, if you would just come, let's sing past me not, O gentle Savior. And they prayed. I came home. My wife wasn't there that night. And over a cup of coffee at night, I told her, Carol, it's over. She said, what's over? I said, it's over. If there's a God in heaven, I, what I just experienced tonight, it is over. Finito. It's over. Just about a day later, I was shaving. And my wife burst into the bathroom and said, Chrissy's here. I said, Chrissy, I hadn't seen her in four months. Chrissy, and you better go down. I went down the steps and in the wiping off the shave cream and in the in on the kitchen floor was my daughter on her knees. And when I walked in the kitchen, she grabbed at my pants leg. Like, 
she pulled it. She was weeping and she said, Daddy, I've sinned against God. I've sinned against myself. I've sinned against you and Mommy. Daddy, forgive me for being rebellious, etc. Daddy, Daddy, it's different. But Daddy, who is praying for me? Who is praying Tuesday night for me? Why, Chrissy, what happened? And she drew up to me. She said, in the middle of the night, God woke me up. And he showed me that I was heading toward a chasm and it had no, it had no bottom. But daddy, even as he showed me that and showed me how off I was, he put his arms around me and he showed me that he loved me and he had a plan for my life. And daddy, I, I made it right with God. And I could tell by her face, she was my daughter again, the one I had raised. Very soon God opened the door and for the next four years she directed the music program at a Bible school. She married a man of God. They're both in the ministry today. And God reminded me once again, my house shall be called a house of prayer because when you call, I will answer. Let's all stand together. If you have to go, please feel free to go. Uh, you're, you're not going to offend us. But I don't want to miss this moment. And maybe you can identify with the pain of that pastor. Maybe you have someone in your life that has gotten away. Maybe a grandchild, maybe a child. Maybe a friend or a spouse and you want to pray for them. I, I want to invite you to just come up and, and pray and we'll pray with you. But my first priority was to call those of you who have a burden to pray. And maybe the burden's dimmed or dulled. Or maybe you don't have a burden to pray. Maybe you just have a desire to grow in prayer. I'm inviting you to come because we want to lay hands on you. We're in a fresh season and I believe it's a fresh season of prayer. And we want God to galvanize us together and so if you're an intercessor or you have a burden to pray or desire to pray or even to grow in prayer, I'm going to invite you to come right now if you'd like to be prayed for. And we're going to lay hands on you and pray for you. And by the way, please don't feel guilty. If this is not you, do not feel guilty at all. This is not about guilt. This is just about responding to the Lord. So... Even if there's just one or two, we want to lay hands on you and release what's in God's heart.